Hello everybody, I believe it's episode 34 of the Online Tennis Podcast. Losing count, it's me Jack and my co-host. Yeah, myself, Gavin, back this week after a week's holiday, uh, layoff or whatever you want to call it. But uh, sunny no, Creef in Scotland. Sunny in Creef, well, sunny for part of the week in Creef, followed by okay. torrential rain. So it's good, sort of typical Scottish weather, but... Um, yeah. Oh, good to be back on the podcast discussing the biggest tournament, well, one of the biggest tournaments of the year in Indian Wells. The fifth slam, indeed. Yeah, we're just going to do a little recap of what's happened in the first three or four days. Going to talk about a few of the champs that have lost Andy Murray and Naomi Osaka, a few of the comebacks because there's been a ton, some of the big upsets, some of the players that are playing well, and a few of the ones to watch tonight, 14th of March. Let's just dive in, Gav. Let's give it a go. go for it. Okay, we'll start with Naomi Osaka. Yes. I, quickly, I, I very uh, much wanted to talk about her first match because actually that, it was quite the spectacle. Okay, she's at the tournament now. We'll get onto that in a second. But our first match against Sloane Stevens, obviously on paper, looked like it could be amazing. We experienced what can happen at Indian Wells in that the the wind in some of the stadiums in particular can get caught very easily and it can turn into a bit of a scrappy match. Did you catch any of the the Stevens Osaka match? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty patchy in places, but I guess it's the it's the Californian air, isn't it? It makes the ball really difficult to control. I think from what I've seen so far of the tournament, a lot of the players are maybe maybe playing a wee bit more passive in general, I'd say certainly from some of the matches that I've watched, certainly trying to be more careful and ensuring that they get a good rally ball. That's mm-hmm. interesting to watch in itself because, you know, a lot of these tournaments you can see players that maybe just think, right, I'm going to be ultra-aggressive. But I think it adds a tactical sort of perspective into it, which is quite good to watch from... It, it definitely does. It's, it can be a bit of a leveller, definitely, Gav. So you, you see a lot of players that normally would play a lot harder against lower-ranked players. It kind mm-hmm. of levels it out a bit. And certainly against Stevens, I mean, the two of their serves, Osaka's and Stevens. They were basically rolling it in for the start of the match. But the, ta- the tactical nuance is really interesting. So obviously mm. we saw Stevens like rolling in our serve basically yep. under 90 miles an hour every time, first and second serves. Now Masako would step in like really, really far into the court, absolutely rifle some returns. You know, she got away with it a few times. Other times she didn't. And there was sort of five games where she went off the boil for a while. But it's interesting to see her sort of stepping forward, stepping back. Um, interesting to see Stevens sort of not going aggressive and Asaka going aggressive. A lot of just sort of topsy turviness. And mm. I mean, Stevens was really close to taking it up to love in the third, fifteen forty. Asaka forehand slices like into the net. I, I, you know, I, I had to take a breath at that point. I was like, well, what is she doing? She won the point. It's a hundred and twenty mile an hour body serve after that saved the next break point, and she was on her way to a victory. It was a really interesting match. I really enjoyed it. Quite interesting to see as well which of the wings both players prefer to return on. So you saw Saka running around to hit backhands. Stevens mm-hmm. running around to hit forehands. Obviously, you know, they're, they're just trying to get returns into play at this point yeah. when the, the, the conditions are as crazy as they are. So interesting to see stuff like that. You, you learn a lot about players when they're playing in the wind. You certainly um, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, really interesting. Unfortunately, it's not the story of the tournament for Saka because the next match against Kuda Matova, she lost love and four. Yes, Kudamatova played very well in that match. I think that's what we first of all got to point yeah, out. Yeah, of course. Credit. I, I was looking at the headlines after. I'm thinking it's a bit unfair to Kudamatova. It was all coming from the perspective of Osaka couldn't handle it, and that's why she lost. I think if we actually look at the match as it was played, Kudamatova played fantastic tennis. I think Osaka just wasn't getting close, even if that was an issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know my views and heckling. I don't like it. I think we've seen players in the past have it to deal with it regularly. I think it probably shows you that Asaka in general is quite a popular player, so she's probably not used to having to deal 
with the heckling as much as say Novak, for example, gets it most match he plays or mm-hmm. match he plays. Uh, Kyrgios as well. Uh, Medvedev at the at the Australian Open earlier in the year. So um, it was interesting, you know. I think maybe, maybe... I, I will say just first um, before you go on, Gav, um, in case mm. people didn't see it. So Naomi Osaka was down, love one in the first set. It's only one game played, and somebody in the crowd shouted, "Naomi, you suck!" Mm. And essentially threw her off for the rest of the match. She was visibly in tears on her way to a bagel in the first set. And yeah. Definitely contributed to the loss, 100%. It did, oh, it did. Um, but I think Andy, what Andy Murray said in his press conference was interesting. He said, you know, that that's part of it, unfortunately, and, you know, you've got to sort of try and find a yeah. way to, to deal with it. And um, it's never nice to see. Obviously, you don't want to see it on any happen to any player. There are players that get it almost every time they play. I think that's something she's just going to have to try and find a way to deal with, whether it's a good thing or not. Regardless, it's going to keep happening. You can't physically force a crowd to stop saying stuff like that so. yeah yeah you're quite right she, she had said she'd been heckled in the past i think the, the reason she said this one affected her so much she said she had venus and serena in the back of her mind you know, Boy, from 2001. Didn't yeah, 2001. yeah um I, I think you know she attributed a lot of well definitely but venus and serena a lot of that was um to do with racism Racial was, oh, yeah, yeah there's a lot of slurs getting um, shouted from the crowd so it was undoubtedly mm. a bit of racism going on i think maybe osaka had that in her mind and was like why here in america would mm. people you know like go after me it doesn't make much sense to her um and you know okay yeah i get i i probably more on andy's side um to be honest it was one person and sort of ten thousand people sort of heckling you've got to find a way definitely Yeah, you just got to deal with it unfortunately it sounds harsh and you know it's not meaning to criticize her but i mean that's part and parcel of the sport i mean you see it in football as well there was eighty thousand odd people you know, slagging players off every week. They just have to deal with it. you just got to develop a thick skin, I think, and that's something she could work on for sure. Do you think there's any truth in the way the tours have dealt with player behaviour on court having an effect on how crowds behave? I don't think, I don't think so. Um, yeah. I think crowds would have done that regardless of... I don't think crowds are holding on the breath of the tour suspension. I think the majority yeah, of them that of go there probably are not avid weekly followers well, of course. Sport. so yeah i mean we can see what we want about how poorly the tours have handled stuff and you know believe me they have handled it shockingly badly especially this very issue but um i don't think so i think crowds would do that regardless yeah, um, somebody somebody has a drink and you know somebody has a drink and then they lose all sense of their yeah know, there's there's much there's much worse stuff put it that way that gets oh, a message to, to to players definitely after yeah. matches um, mm. We'll say that, but I mean, that's just not on, obviously. But on court, it's all still a little bit in the moment. You kind of have to find a way, what, regardless mm. of what happens, I think. Absolutely. A bit more on Andy Murray, I think, Gav. Because yes. I, I think, uh, for once, I'm, I'm I'm quite keen to talk about Andy. I, I, I thought mm. this week was quite good, considering, it obviously. Was. It was. Yeah, we talked about, um, everybody, talked with Scott about Lendl last week, you know, uh, we were expecting not big things, but maybe just at least a little bit of a renewed sense of purpose, a fresh start for us fans as well, you know, something else to latch on to. And certainly his third meeting with Taro Daniel this year, I think there was a lot of positives to draw. Definitely. Yeah, yeah he did. Actually, you know, especially deep in that third set, it was Daniel that was looking the more tired of the two players, which I found yeah. interesting. Like, Daniel looked absolutely knackered. Like, he looked like he was properly being put to the ringer, whereas Murray just looked like, you know, Andy Murray, usually yeah. himself, you mm-hmm. know, which I found fascinating, actually, because you think, you know, we've been so much about Murray's injury and stuff and how it's going to affect him physically, yet we're talking about the opponent looking visibly more tired maybe that's a mental strength of Andy as well maybe it's a skill that he's got to sort of being able to mask how tired he is 
yeah. better than Daniel. That's maybe something we could say. But um, definitely no, excellent. I mean, he was a breakdown in that final set, and I was thinking, oh, you know, this could be another close but no cigar defeat. But you know, he turned it round. He's Andy Murray at the end of the day. He's got the mental capability to do that. You certainly can't question his fight on the court. So um, excellent, really, really yeah. good win for him. The, the, the play of that third, third set for me, Gav, break point down for all. A second serves to Daniel's forehand with him leaning mm. to the left and brave. Yeah, unreturned. Obviously brave, you know, and then if Daniel had laced a forehand return, we'd be like stupid. But yeah, but this, this time brave. Definitely. Side so, of bravery this time. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll go, we'll go. I mean, yeah, it's definitely testament to Andy's awareness of um, tactics on court and yeah, it's brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. And for, well, that was the seven number one. We'll keep it positive before mm-hmm. going on to be like, I forgot to say that. Such a massive deal. Only three active players, obviously you know who they are, that have got over 700 wins on tour and 17 players in history with uh, more wins than that. 14 more wins and he'd be above Boris Becker. So mm-hmm. loads more to go for Andy. The second match though, mm-hmm. yesterday between him and Bublik, this was a bit more like uh, last year, Gav. I'd just say, um, yeah, you know, we had this sort of pattern of play where tight first set, dip in the second, loses in straight sets. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that was done, to be honest. There were some positives though. I mean, first and foremost, it was an excellent match to watch. Um, I think, you know, with Andy, he did have chances at the start of that first set. We saw him, there were t- a couple of poor returns I thought that he could have done better with. I think the, the real killer really was the tie break. You know, he gets back into it. I, I know. Been, you know, and probably had the double fault. And I thought, right, he's got him here from a mental point of view. And obviously, that, that was the most frustrating part for me because the fact that he'd been able to sort of, okay, hadn't taken his chances at the start of the first set, but he was able to get himself back into that tie break and remember the incredible yeah. return that you had to save set point. I mean, that was yeah, yeah. ludicrously good. I mean, it was just... Yeah, um, I, I thought he had it for sure. And it was had him there. Yeah, but testament to Bublik as well, because Bublik, I think maybe a year ago, might have thought, well, you know, that mentally just crumbled. But I think him winning a title this year has <clears throat> maybe mentally made him a bit stronger. And he did show that uh, to win that first set. And then in the second set, he kept his focus as well. So uh, Yeah, which I was surprised at, I've got to say. Yeah, I was surprised how disciplined he was. Okay, there's still the usual poor drop shot where you're thinking, what the hell What the hell is he doing? At the same time, drop drop shot and pass combo on set point in the first set, that's mm. what actually kept him in it. I mean, he, exactly, he, exactly. he, admit, he admitted himself he was a bit lucky. He actually said, I don't know if you saw that after the match, yeah. uh, he was, he's lucky he's, he's 10 years younger than Andy, which yeah. I, I, I'm sure Andy probably didn't like actually. Okay, I'm sure it was meant as a compliment, <laughs> yeah, but there's no way Andy wanted to hear that. <laughs> um, still, yeah, I, I think he was. You know, he meant it as a compliment. He's always a really nice guy at the net. Uh, he definitely didn't mean it as a slight. He was just saying, yeah, he did actually get a bit lucky in that first set because mm. I mean, zero he for did, six big points as well for Andy. So a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're you're quite right though. Plenty of positives. I, I'm definitely because he doesn't. I didn't expect him to play well at Indian Wells, in Miami. You know. Mm. This is looking good for Miami, definitely. Obviously, this is one of the best draws he's going to have in years, but I don't, not even thinking about that, you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, let, let's let's look forward. It's going to be good. Absolutely. On to a few of the comebacks, Gav. There was so many. Obviously, I was saying about the win sort of being a level and a lot of the players being a bit closer to each other's level than you would usually have at a Masters 1000. I, I, I mean, I think that's... There's a lot to be said for that because there's a lot of players who would, would take an early lead and, and would eventually lose it. And, I mean, I can rifle these off. I'll just run through a few of the, the highlights. So I don't know if you saw Chris Eubanks saving match points against Max Cressy. 
Yep. That was clutch. I was so clutch good. Leader. Obviously, yeah. Eubank's one of the most likable players on tour. Might still be outside the top 100, though. He's been, you know, he's a, a he's hard got a weapons to succeed, I think, at higher level. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, a one-hander straight at Cressy on one of the, the match points to save um, when, when he came into the net. There was a, mm-hmm. a couple of other ones. Um, a serve and volley as well, or forehand approach and volley even. Um, said to Cressy at the net, he had the, the best volleys in tours. Yeah. In tour, apparently, uh, which is really nice of him. Yep. Um, he's, he's lost to Rude now, but, I mean, yeah, still a really cool comeback. Really enjoyed it. Obviously, Max Cressy. I bet there's going to be a lot of matches in his career where he's saving or losing match points before um, losing the match, to be fair. Yeah, but definitely. still pretty cool. Did you see any of Kovinic v Pliskova? I didn't know. That's one I didn't wasn't able to see. Not not a terrible loss for Pliskova. Six two five two up, but actually it was her first match since Indian Wells last year. So um, mm-hmm. with the fact that Absolutely. she went ahead at all, yeah, credit to her definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I would say it's more about Kovinic's raised level than Pliskova. I wouldn't have expected her to win that match anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Similarly, Borna Choric had been off the tour for over a year. Yeah, got getting it for to. Him. Yeah, getting to 5-3 against Alejandro Davidovich for Kina in the third set. Pretty massive deal, I would say. Obviously, there was the bagel in the second set, but um, that's too expected, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah I think definitely positive for Torich. I, I quite like him. I mean, obviously, I think he dissed Andy once, um, but apart apart from that, um, he's, he's quite likable. <laughs> he's obviously. an excellent incarnation of Marin Torich, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got he's probably got a few um, pluses on manager age camp. The backhand a wee bit for sure. Um, but yeah, like, we'll, we'll, hopefully, you know, Shelby doesn't get injured. You don't like to see that from anybody, definitely. So, no. yeah, another one: Fernandez v Anisimova. This was absolutely this is weird. I've never seen this mm. happen before. Up a set, five four, forty love for Anisimova before Fernandez broke serve in that game. Brought it to a tiebreak. Fernandez didn't lose a point in the tiebreak. And then Anisimova explained to the umpire she was feeling ill, rushed off the court to everyone's shock and horror, and wasn't heard from again. Mm. <laughs> Anything to do with Darren Cahill? Maybe obviously she split with Darren Cahill kind of un- inexplicably very it's, recently. That's inexplicable. That's like something you'd see, I don't know, like the junior level or yeah, yeah, yeah. West Scotland summer league level maybe oh, obviously though they're, they're 20 and 19 years old it's quite, it's, it's quite bizarre you kind of forget that she's very young um, obviously she seems mature I, I don't want to draw any conclusions without knowing the whole story mm. um, but it, it's still very bizarre to see somebody have a lead like that and then just run off court run after off court, never be seen again yeah. yeah yeah I'm sure there's reasons for it so I won't go into it any further but still very bizarre mm. uh, one that won't surprise you Benoit Pierre v Dominic Kopfer yeah. Also six two five two up. I don't know about Benoit Pierre. I don't know if it was that match in Buenos Aires. I don't know if you saw it against Slavich when he was five four forty love up, you know. Uh, oh my god, yeah. He did, yeah. He did one of my overheads there. He like hit the overhead to the moon and then he did somehow he? didn't hold and then Did he win that match though? Or? No, he lost, he lost. He did, he did lose that match. Okay. Lost that match. Yeah, of course. As he soon did. as I saw the result, <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's just done a Buenos Aires again, isn't he? But yeah, Jesus. Really, I mean, he did. He, he, and it's like you see the top, and it's just like if you could just mentally get it tougher. I know. He did break. double fault to hand over the break, of course. But yeah, I mean, what he did, yeah. All went pear shaped. Yeah, all went pear shaped. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> that was predictable. This one, this next one, is probably the most unpredictable. Oh, there's another one as well, of course, the big one. But this one, uh, Muguruza v Allison Risk was entirely unpredictable. Very, very bizarre match. Up six love, three love before losing twelve of the next thirteen games against Risk. Sums up. Yeah, two double faults out of nowhere to hand back the first break. That's three in a row against Bigger for Risk. 
um, no revenge for Garbin than the US Open in 2019. Interesting view on the psychology of a player that has got a few wins over another player in the past. So Risk said after a match, she was absolutely mortified at her performance in the first few set in the first set and a half. Even people actually paid to come and watch this. She said, uh, "20 minutes down, and I was nine games uh, lost. I was thinking I'm ready to leave leave this court. In all fairness, though, I had beaten her the last couple of times, and I did feel, despite how poorly I was playing, if I could just scrap for a couple of games and get myself on the board, I was actually going to have a chance. And that's actually how it unfolded. I think it makes a very big difference to your mentality when you have any wins." Well, it gives you that confidence, doesn't it? You know you can do it. You've done it in the past, and you can, um, you know, you can do it again. Why not? Even if that you're at that dreadful situation. I mean, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, six love, three love down. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, still, I, I just think it's very interesting that you know, you, you, any weakness your opponent shows you from any sort of his, his match and in, in mm. a history of like of a matchup, basically, and it gives the other player such an advantage, and, and it's not really after that. How do you deal with that loss? I mean, I know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how do you come back on court with any confidence? Um, probably smashed there, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I uh, said, yeah, very proud of the fact um, she managed to come through, and I've uh, always have throughout my career sort of scrapped through matches. She meant uh, it's never over till it's over. She said, really interesting. Uh, you know, I, it was good to watch, even though it was very, it was pretty much a capitulation from Muguruza. Risk isn't the hardest hitter on tour. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that. She she does scrap. She you know she's an amazing fighter, but. Um, yeah, it's it a lot of Muguruza rather than just uh, risk, I'll say that much. Yeah, the big one, Gav, Rafa yeah. v Sebastian Corda. Yes, painful to watch at times and great to watch at times. Two two sets that totally contradicted each other in the first and second sets. Um, Corda mm-hmm. made an awful start, absolutely dreadful start, similar to risk probably, couldn't mm-hmm. find the court. Um, and then after the first set, totally switched it on, mm-hmm. You know, caught Rafa on the cold a wee bit played unbelievably well and then it gets to when he was eventually when he was five two up in the third i actually said to my brother he's still not won this yeah I'm like yeah i'm like do you remember the comments he said at roland gallus about him being the idol i think we're going to see the i think he's not going to i think he's going to start stopping playing the ball and start playing the man i think that's sort of what happened there mm-hmm. and it was a shame because i thought you know i thought he was playing so well and i'm thinking this could be the big, big win for him. If he can beat Rafa here, maybe he can, you know, really his level yeah. can just go up to another uh, level. And yeah. just I've got, be. I've got loads to say in what you just said there, Gab. So, so one thing I'd say, everybody's got a story when Rafa starts making their comeback. Like, where were they when you know he started making his comeback? And it's like I was at my pal's house, looked at the score, and I was like, oh, well, I guess he must be tired. Onto the clay season, pretty yeah. egregious prediction by me for him to win the tournament. And I've sure enough looked back at the score twenty minutes later, and it's like, why? Do you ever doubt Rafa? You total idiot, man. I mean, there caught them. He did absolute. <laughs> he did. I know he did. Like two, two, but Rafa, two breaks. But Rafa's just so stubborn, isn't he? My God. Yeah, I mean, Rafa had loads to say about it. So he, he did say like you only win ten percent of matches like from that sort of position, but mm. you only give yourself a chance at all if you sort of dig in and make your opponent win the match. So he admitted he wasn't even expecting to win the match. It's not mm. like Rafa thinks I can win the match from any position. He just, he likes to Puts create... himself into a situation that he can do it. Yeah. yeah, he likes to create an aura for himself as well and just sort of say, you know, I'm never going to let you win this match easily. And it, it mm. digs into people's heads, definitely. I mean, Corda was playing ultra-aggressive, like super short points. I mean, destroying Rafa's... 
it was the ser- like, re- the return even as well. So like able to sort of neutralise Rafa's serve so easily that he barely got any points in serve plus one Rafa, mm-hmm. which um, obviously, you know, you'd expect him to get a few at least. But uh, I mean, for a long time, he wasn't able to do anything with his forehand because, yeah, the backhand. Corda's backhand's solid, man. It's, it's bombs, really yeah, good when it's on. Yeah, even Rafa was pretty shocked at how good it was in certain occasions. But yeah, I mean, yeah, and um, but then sure enough, obviously, you know, your biggest weapon can become your. And we'll get onto that as well. Your mm-hmm. biggest weapon can um, become your 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 biggest weakness, and four backhand on first errors in that first break in the third yeah. set to give it away. Then, in fairness, you know, he plays maybe took a little bit off the ball coming into the net. You know, a little bit of nerves, but then obviously Rafa, you know, comes up with some crazy backhand passes, and it's kind of enough to to yeah. put the seeds of doubt into your. Rafa's the sort of guy if he's six love, five love, forty love down. I still think he could find a way to win. Like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't. But I, I, like I, same thing as Rafa. I, I, you know, I wouldn't expect him to win necessarily, but he would definitely give it his all, and that's basically what he's trying to say. You'd probably say, yeah, come back. Yeah, he is just on a side note. He is now out of Miami. Um, he's pulled out. Well, is it not surprising? I thought he would have maybe played Miami over Indian Wells just because he'd never won it before. Just yeah, but then slower um, courts. Just think about the conditions. I guess probably. Yeah. Yeah. Continues his winning streak to 16 now and would get a 400 point at Masters level if he won his next match against Evans. On to a few of the biggest upsets Mm -hmm. so far. Obviously, I've talked about a couple, but um, these ones maybe not so much comebacks, just big upsets, I guess. This one was a bit of a comeback. Tommy Paul defeats Alexander Zverev in a third set tiebreak. I predicted that. Proud to say I actually thought that would happen. Uh, when you think mm-hmm. about all that's happened to Zverev in the past few weeks, all the talk, I know the incident was a few weeks ago, but you see all the talk in the media and he was constantly getting asked about it. I think there would have been some sort of nerves at how the crowd would have reacted when he walked onto the court. Um, and Tommy Paul's a hell of a player. I mean, he won his first title in Stockholm at the end of last season. So, I mean, he's always going to be a threat. And uh, he showed that, and he returned unbelievably well in the first set. Don't know if you saw that, but he was like returning Novak level, just punishing yeah. the short ball, really mm-hmm. aggressive. Um, sort of like Corda was as well against Rafa. Uh, undoubtedly, a little bit of a hangover from the incident, right? He was a break I mean, up in the final set, wasn't he? And he served four double faults. Four so. double faults in one game. Yeah, one of the yeah. double faults hit the ground before it hit the net. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I still think so, he's winning a major though. Like, I, I, I oh. don't find these people that say he's not winning a slam. I think he will. Well, that's me. I, I, still, I don't think yeah, he's winning a slam. I disagree. Well, yeah, that's we, 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 can, we can agree to disagree, Gav. But yeah, at the so. moment, obviously, you know, he's nowhere near that level, is he? Um, I'm sure at the moment, he, no. Yeah. Uh, it was quite interesting that, obviously, he hit, hit those four double faults. Before that service game, he had won 24 consecutive points in serve. So, mm. they, to, obviously, that kind of just totally strengthens the argument that this was completely mental rather than uh, physical. Obviously, Tommy Paul is still playing a really good level, and I would say Tommy Paul, in his own words, he was probably happiest with his commitment coming to the net. It's one of the biggest differences I think players that are lower-ranked can make to beat higher-ranked players is their ability to come forward, definitely. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the top 20 in the world, there are few of them that are very confident at the net. I think, obviously, the big three... Obviously, Federer's not there. Um, sets the pass, her catch. Not many others that come to mind, to be honest. Not many others. No, you're yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, it's a mad, it's, it's, it's the one part of the game that players can kind of excel over top 10 players, I think. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, improves to 2-0 against Federer. Also beat him in Acapulco a couple of years ago. Mm. So, uh, But, yeah, as you say, obviously not totally to do with Paul, a lot to do with Federer. So. Yeah. 
Another one, Jasmine Paolini defeats Sabalenka in three sets. This, um, I mean, there's not much to say here, Gav, to be honest. Really, it's just it went how you expect this loss to pan out. Paolini is, is uh, five foot four in height, doesn't hit the ball incredibly hard, very spinny shots, not really made for hard courts. By her own admission, she wouldn't expect to play well on hard courts, she mm. said, um, given the, the, the sort of nature of her shots and her serve. Mm-hmm. But Sabalenka obviously can beat herself a lot of the time. 63 of the 82 points Paulini won were Sabalenka on four errors, including yeah. 10 double faults. So. Yep, nothing else to say, is there? Yeah, not really. Yeah. <laughs> First top 10 win for Paulini. Wasn't that surprising the result in the end, though? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it just depends if Sabalenka plays a lot of the time. She has kind of patched up that second serve a wee bit, but um, yeah, obviously, still a little bit of patching up to do. So I think it'll be a while before she's top 10 level. To be honest, uh, one more. Botic yep. van der Zanschop defeats Felix Oger Aliassim, the longest matchup of the day in duration and in letters. Um, <laughs> it was yeah, three hours and fifteen minutes actually. Um, I don't know about the letters, probably a few. Yeah, uh, did you see any of that? I did see a wee bit of it. Obviously, watching the Murray match, so it wasn't uh, until I think was it start the second set that I watched it. But to be fair, mm-hmm. van der Zanschop's a good player and um, fast player. Yeah. You know, he's, he showed that commitment to go to the net a wee bit more, served really well. And, exactly, um, yeah. Felix wasn't at his best, to be fair, but I think uh, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised at that either, actually, because, you know, that's sort of one of those matches you look at and you think, well, van der Zandschop, good server. If he turns it on really well with a serve, difficult to break, you think this could be a tough match for Felix. It's not a nice opening round match to have, is it? No, not at all, not at all. I mean, Felix showed a lot of fight, actually. Three match points saved in the second set, mm-hmm. basically licking lines to stay in the match. I think it, definitely the slower conditions affected Felix more. I just wanted to get through in form, to be honest, um, alone. It's not really conditions that suit him, but I just, I thought, you know, if he can put together a firm sort of service foundation for the week, then the guy could roll as far as three matches. But yeah, Bosic van de Zanschel, again, like Tommy Paul, much better at coming forward, found ways to finish the point. A little bit easier than Felix, I would say. Obviously, not much in it at all, but I would say a bit of forehand variation certainly helped him on his way to to, to beating Felix. It was a really interesting match. Nothing for Felix to be upset about there, I think. No, it's just one that you just chalk off to that a guy played well. Yeah. That really does everything about if your opponent's playing well and you're maybe not playing at your best, then you do. If it was a 2 and 2 loss, you know, maybe. Yeah, but it was a a good loss. I think you'll be happy with that. Definitely. If such a thing, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I think he's he's, he's pretty um, pretty, a mature guy. He's got a good outlook, doesn't he? And certainly, mm-hmm. um, Tony Nadal will probably help him see the, the the light of that match as well. Yeah. Interesting question. Before I move on to the players that are playing well this week, Gav, do you think? And I'll tell you the other three players. Botic is now the best guy in the top fifty without an ATP title. I I, I, I can give you the other three players. Kainovich is is up there. I think. Yeah, kind of. Well, so we've got. Alejandro Davidovich, Fakina, Brooksby, Kernovich, and Harris. I actually, the problem is I wrote an article about Harris, uh, but it's a season last year. And I thought, I wrote at the end of the article, he's going to have a really good 2022 season. And he's only won his first match of the season yesterday. <laughs> um, Happens. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think probably in terms of in 10 years' time, who's going to have the most successful career? You'd say Brooksby right Brooksby, now. Yeah. So if we're judging it by level right now, you'd probably say maybe just Harris, maybe. If you're talking yeah. about recent form, I'd probably say Harris. But yeah, it's one of these ones where 
you know, Krajlovic is a very solid player, but what weapon would you say he's got in his game that's really going to consistently trouble players? None. Yeah, there's, there's a reason yeah. he's went, you know, 27, 28 odd years without a title. Mm. Maybe needs to improve his serve a wee bit. I mean, he's, only, he's only 20, though, obviously, isn't he? Yeah, 21. he's got time yeah. to develop. Harris up and down. And Van der Zandt probably put into the up and down as well, though he's been in the upward trajectory recently. So they're all kind of sort of similar reasons as to why they've not won a title. Davidovic, for Kino, myself, I think it's the big yeah, problem. Definitely, yeah. Right, moving very swiftly on to a few of the players that are playing well this week, because that was just a who's who of who's had a fucking difficult week, basically. <laughs> um, we can talk about a few of the players who are actually sort of rolling quite easily. Medvedev's got to get a shout out. You know, 23 of 26 previous number ones had won their first match as number one. Mm. Medvedev now improves that to 24 of 27 with a very tidy mat- match against a potentially tricky opponent in Thomas Matic. Yep. He was playing really well, actually, that guy, Matic. You know, incredibly aggressive player when he started setting it well. Um, I would just say Medvedev was so tidy, you know, able to absorb anything Matic through that and basically for a pretty tidy 3 and 2 win in the end. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with Gav. I don't know if you 100%. remember. 100%. He played like really aggressive as well. If you look at his baseline positioning, he was playing inside the baseline a lot, taking the ball a bit earlier. And, uh, you know, my shot. I think it's my I don't know how you pronounce it. Mashak, 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 Mashak. Yeah. Mashak. I thought he played very well. But I think mm-hmm. when you're playing Medvedev in that form, eventually he's going to be able to break you down. And that's exactly what happened, really. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's positives for Mashak, but very good win for Medvedev. Super number one sort of match, definitely. It was really mm-hmm. good. Obviously, it's only one match, so we'll see how he gets on against... One piece. One piece, thank you. Yes, in the next match. Next player I want to talk about, and... This might look on paper like she has been playing some pretty scrappy matches, but I've got plenty of reasons why this is positive for Igish Fontek, who at the start of the season, I was talking about her bounce back ability, you know, after her rough route to the semi-finals in Australia, you know, a couple, a couple of matches where she lost the first set against Sirstea and Kanepi in Australia, and then went on to win the match. She just keeps going in that sort of form, um, has now dropped the first set in six of her matches this year and has won four of them. Whereas last mm. year, she dropped the first set in 14 of her matches and won uh, won three. Yeah, so she's already won one more match than last year after dropping the first set. Just goes to show. Improvement. It does go to, yeah. And, uh, in, the, in the last two sets against Towson and Kalanina, it's been love, one, one, and two. So, so you know, her bounce back ability this year is amazing and her way of working stuff out is is way better than it was last year, particularly against Towson sort of recognised that kind of dragging her out wide in the forehand was the way to break her down. Yeah, um, I'm still very enthused by Shontek's game. I think against Kerber, it might not be quite as epic as it looks like it could be on paper, I would say. But obviously, famous last words. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Another one, Simona Halep, has now beaten Alexander Van Coco Goff. I always knew, obviously, that uh, she could play great tennis in, in the wind. I counted her being steadier than, than, than Goff, and sure enough, she did come through quite tidily, actually, 3-4. Mm. and four. Um, Obviously, a lot of people expecting an epic there. Yeah, it's one of those matches that went under the radar. I think there was so much going on over the past few days. It's like, God, they're playing as well. It's like, just shows yeah. how many great matches were on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she now plays Sarana Sestea. She's 17 love against Romanians at tour level. <laughs> So uh, Halep will have a, a decent chance there. So Anastasia actually is technically 2-1 against her, but there was a challenger and a qualifying win in there. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll still be a very tough match. They last met in 2010, though, so I mean, that's all pretty irrelevant. I'm hoping that I've, I've, I've picked Halep to get through to the semis. That could be my only one, apart from Schwantek, that I get right. So hopefully she, <laughs> hopefully she gets through. Last one I want to talk about, Gav. 
Harriet Dart, who has Long. now beat. Yeah, I mean, you might not even have noticed this. Like, she's kind of gone under the radar, but she's now beaten Anna Conju, Lena Svitolina, and Kai Kanepi, all in straight sets. She's in the fourth round of a Masters for the first time in her career. Unbelievable. Yeah. I wouldn't have predicted it, to be fair. But... No, no. I mean, I thought she would beat Svitolina, but I didn't think she was getting through to the fourth round. It's a very solid game, bit of a flaky serve, I would say. Difficult to see anything but the same result from Wimbledon, was it, when she played Madison Keys, who will likely yeah. have more power against her. Just power, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that happening again. I think she's got the game for the top 100, which she's now joined um, after winning, after beating Kanepi, but not sure of her getting any further than that. Either way, willing to be proven wrong, and uh, fourth round of a Masters is a very, very big deal. Brilliant so. achievement. Final category, Gav. Ones to watch tonight. I'm just going to run through a few. I want a very quick who's winning each match. Okay. Medvedev, Monfils. Medvedev. Yeah, easy. Any, no justification necessary. No, obviously, Medvedev, isn't it? Could be a good one, yeah. Uh, Alcaraz, Batista, Agu. Alcaraz. Yeah, I mean. But what, Batista, Agu's got a chance, yeah? Uh, he's always got a chance, but I think he's not playing his top level at the moment. I think Alca- Alcaraz probably... I thought he was very, very good against McDonald. Uh, got a great straight sets win there, and I yeah. think it'll be the same tonight. The only thing I would say, he was amazing in Doha. Doha's quite similar conditions to Indian Wales. Potentially, but he was lucky to get through his first round. Batista go against Wolf, save match points. So, so he did. Yeah. So he did. Yeah, good point. Okay, fair enough. Brooksby sets the pass. Brooksby. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not much uh, thought there. I like that. That's confidence. He he was amazing against Catcher of Love and Free. He was. Just totally yeah. gave him a tennis lesson, pretty much. So yeah. I think the same, not the same here, but I think, you know, Sitsabas was very lucky to come through Sock, and I think Brooksby's got a more solid game that's not going to break down as easily. Mm-hmm. So I think Brooksby. I would expect Sitsabas v Sock to be a pretty heavy matchup favouring Sitsabas, and it was mm-hmm. a very, very tight match. So I don't know if he's playing quite his best. I, I'm, I'm going to agree is. with you. Good. I think Brooksby. Uh, Rude Kyrgios? Rude. Yeah, okay. Cool, yeah. You sure? I'm 100% sure. Okay, cool. Sakari Kvitova? I'm going to go Sakari. Yeah, I feel Sakari as well, I think. Um, I think Kvitova's had a couple of wins. I'm not 100% sure about that. But yeah, Sakari, I've just played way too good tennis. I've been losing her tennis for the last few months, so I'll continue in that vein. Azarenka Rubikina? It's a belter. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to go three sets. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Rubikina. Okay. Azarenka, last year's final, remember? I know that, which is why it's yeah. going to go three sets. But Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Rubikina, I'm not sure about her health. I still think she's going to, you know, world domination is on the horizon for her, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, it's this week. So I'll, I'll pick Azarenka yeah. there, I think. And finally, Bedosa, Siri Best Torm. Bedosa. Yeah. It's got to be, but I'm, I'm, I feel, I'm feeling big match vibes from that. Could be good, but yeah, I just believe in Bedoza's level, and obviously we, we know what a good player she is. So I'm yeah, after last year, to get the win. That's us, Gav. That was tidy. That was very tidy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. If you want to catch any gas work, are you doing any last word this week? I probably will be doing some last word. Yeah. Cool. Okay, catch some of Gav's articles on Last Word on Tennis. Please, please catch my own work at jackedward.substack.com. Thank you very much for joining us on the Online Tennis Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thank Bye. you.